The ESPN San Antonio Audio Vault is powered by AA Best Bail Bonds. 210-225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Down for the count with Brandon Medina and Dan Cialana. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, ESPN San Antonio proudly brings to you the best show in the world. That is right. This is down for the count. I am your man, Brandon Big Poppy Medina. That is dangerous, Dan Cialana via the other screen and the other screen in front of me as well is mr james pledger running the screens uh from the back from the studio from the gorilla uh, position the gorilla position exactly and that no is actual not gorillas were harmed in this position no and that not gorilla yet. position is not anything sexual please so with that unfortunately unfortunately i uh, mean pledger can make anything right that way I mean, yeah i mean we can make anything that way however yeah this is a wrestling show. This is the premier wrestling show for ESPN San Antonio, as well as all around the world. We are the very best of the best. It's true. Oh, it is damn true. That is right. So go follow us on Twitter at DFTC Podcast. Go follow ESPN San Antonio as well there at ESPN underscore SA. You can follow me at Big Poppy Brandon M and the beautiful, amazing, wonderful Mr. Dangerous Dan Cialana at Dan for the Counts. Little, a little nice little little namesake right there. So definitely, please go follow us on Twitter. We're gonna be talking all things wrestling for the next hour. Always with you Thursdays from seven to eight. We have AW full gear that me and Dan mm-hmm. Cialana absolutely bought and did not pirate. Uh, we also have. Well, hold on, Brandon. I'm prepared tonight. Oh, to, to tweet a screenshot of my receipt. Wow, for my purchase for AW full gear from Bleacher Report Live. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do that because you didn't buy it and that you use uh, shady means to see this pay-per-view. I like to support wrestling, especially independent companies like AEW. If you don't have that moral fiber, if you don't have that in you, that's fine. No judgment. Would you like me to also post my receipt? If you post yours, I'll post mine. Hey, uh, show me yours and I'll show you mine. There you go. Yeah, but AEW Full Gear uh, did just kick off this past week, and it was an awesome show. We saw a great Fallout AEW event uh, yesterday, as well as NXT. So we have a lot to talk about, a lot of surprises, a lot of big things happening in the world of wrestling. But AEW Full Gear, Dan, overall thoughts? What did you think? It didn't blow my socks off. It was a solid pay-per-view. I give it a solid B minus AEW full gear. Uh, maybe I have too many expectations for these AEW pay-per-views because back when I wasn't watching AEW pay-per-views, my wrestling fans would t- talk about how, oh, it's so awesome. You, you, you don't want to miss it. It was great. I found myself kind of tuning out on parts of it. It was okay. I don't feel like I wasted the $54.10 I believe I paid for full gear it was a solid pay-per-view didn't feel like i wasted my money but nothing i think i'm going to be going back and watching five years from now okay so 54 dollars and 10 cents is what it was right i think mine might have been a little less um however uh you whenever, get your coupon code or whatever you got yeah there. i think i had a coupon code for that one uh but with zero dollars <laughs> with everything uh yeah full gear was pretty good i thought i, I agree with you it didn't blow my socks off it wasn't a a uh aw all out 
type of events. It was a good one. It was there were some prize. There were some some surprises, of course. Obviously, um, you know, we got to see the young bucks become champs again. What did you think though? The big the big two storylines coming into this event was MJF trying to get into the inner circle. Not even there was there was no animosity between him and Chris Jericho. It was just he wanted to get into the inner circle, as well as Eddie Kingston being pushed heavily into the main event of this to face John Moxley in an I quit match. What did you think about these two matches with it being so promoted and so advertised on AEW television? Okay, in terms of MJF and Chris Jericho to back up, you know, I I loved you know I love their musical number they did a couple weeks ago. So they weren't enemies. They weren't in a rivalry. They weren't mad at each other going into the pay-per-view, which is actually a very unique way to sort of uh, promote a match. The idea that these guys don't hate each other, but they're just going to kind of do a, a friendly-ish competition. For me, I'm kind of old school. I wish they had an issue. I wish they had something that they were really angry with each other about. And I assume, because it's wrestling, eventually they will discover that they have problems with each other and they will fight, and we will see that angry MJF versus Chris Jericho storyline. Like I had shared into the uh, lead-up to AEW Full Gear, I don't know why the audience is supposed to care whether or not MJF gets into the inner circle. I didn't think it was a compelling storyline. I thought it was a good match, but I just didn't think the storyline leading up to it was something where you got to go, oh, I got to see this. I definitely got to see this. Yeah, I think, like you said, you're more of the old school mind. I am not so much of the old school as I am, I guess, just the, the new age style of wrestling. I understand it. I like it. I love it. I love the... Me and you both enjoy the funny hijink stuff like Orange Cassidy and all that. However, this match was boring. I mean, it just, it just I, I had no buy-in. Um, I definitely enjoy the Roman Reigns Jey Uso stuff more than this and that. And I mean, and for me, at least in the beginning, that was not a great setup either. But with this, it's just like you said, there's no rivalry. They just did a singing family guy-esque number on television a few weeks ago. There was no buy-in to be like, oh, I hope he can beat. Chris Jericho, because we don't care who's in the inner circle. That's not up to, for us to decide. I feel like that's that's a, that's a creative decision made in the back. So why are you even leaving it up to a match to decide? It, it didn't make sense. It felt very um, just plain Jane, and it almost felt like an indie show uh, in that scenario, I guess, because it truly felt as if MJF was just this guy begging to get into a group, and he's like, we're supposed to believe he's like the cool kid, right? We're supposed to believe he's like the cool guy, he's better than you, he's richer than you, he has the Burberry scarf, yet he can't get into the inner circle. I mean, it just didn't right. make sense to me. You make a good um, point, Brandon, because it's like MJF is supposed to be this cocky guy who doesn't, he's, he's better than you. He it literally says that in his theme music, I'm better than you, and you know it. So like you said, why would he need to be in a faction? Why would he care about joining the inner circle? He should think he's better than everybody else because that's what his theme music says. So it didn't make sense. It, the MJF character, it doesn't make sense that he needs to join a faction. He should be begging people to join him because he's so cocky. What would have been better is if the Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho stuff continued and then we and then MJF came out maybe to look to help Orange Cassidy turns on him, becomes the new member of the inner circle. That would have made more sense than just MJF fighting to be in the inner circle because now you've completely watered down that gimmick a little bit, um, which we see all across wrestling. But uh, with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, an absolute vet. I don't know how old Eddie Kingston is, but I'm assuming he's well into his late 30s or 40s. Um, but the dude was took and taking some vicious shots and giving them. I mean, I am a big fan of the indie circuit. 
Eddie Kingston has been a veteran on the independent circuit, but I mean, John Moxley has not done a, a match like this in quite some time. And I forget how, how rooted John Moxley is in hardcore wrestling. I mean, wasn't he in the, uh, what was the, what's the, what's the company? I believe it's something W GZW, something like that, where it's like the super hardcore deathmatch wrestling stuff. John Moxley was the champion of that. And John Moxley has roots in hardcore, you know, deathmatch wrestling, hard stuff, barbed wire. And that's exactly what we saw. Dan, was this too much for you? Cause I know you, you get a little squeamish. Was this too much for you or was it just enough? I mean, we saw some tacks. We saw some some nasty things. I actually enjoyed this match, and I actually had two reactions to this match uh, when John Moxley made Eddie Kingston say, I quit. At first, I thought, you know, I wish they had found a way to not make Eddie Kingston say, I quit. I wish there was some kind of schmaz, some kind of reason. Maybe Eddie Kingston's mom. Yeah. The, yeah. The little some kind, some of, kind of gimmick to get out of it. Maybe Eddie Kingston's mom comes out and, and begs him to quit. That was my first reaction. I'm like, I don't like the idea of this guy who's been spending 17 years on the independence and he said he'll never quit. And now he quits in his first uh, pay-per-view uh, main event. But the more I was thinking about it, I actually appreciate that AEW gave us like a legitimate ending to an I quit match. They didn't pull any tricks. They didn't do any stunts. They actually paid off their gimmick instead of trying to find a cheap way to get around it like WWE often does. Like you said, with that match of Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, where Jey Uso quit, but he only quit because Roman Reigns was beating up his twin brother. And that was kind of like a cheap way to get out of that. But in this match versus uh, John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, AEW full gear, there was no gimmicks, no cheating. They did a clean win, clean I quit match uh, loss. I don't think I've ever actually seen an I quit match where someone legitimately says I quit with no other gimmick, no other gimmickry or BS or shenanigans involved. I get that. I guess that, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I guess the only other I quit match that I can truly remember, like, thoroughly is The Rock versus Mankind way back when. That was another great I quit match that I think has stood the test of time. If you watch that now. They cheated. They cheated in that match. They actually played a a recording. (laughs) The Rock actually played a recording of Mankind saying I quit, so he didn't really quit. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, But I know like that, I mean, I'm talking about – as far as brutality goes, this definitely lived up to an I quit match. Oh, absolutely. Um, Eddie Kingston wrapped the barbed wire around his bloody hand, was bleeding from his mouth, punching uh, John Moxley in the head with a straight-up fistful of um, barbed wire. I mean, it was great stuff. Good stuff. Because uh, you're old, a sick bastard. Yeah, good old ECW style. You enjoy stuff. pain. You enjoy people's yes. pain. And then the big thing I think we saw from AW when it comes to full gear is – Kenny Omega is now going to be challenging for the title soon. But not only that, we saw a huge title change not many saw coming. And that is Mr. Cody Rhodes losing his belts. What did you think about this match? And what did you think about the ending? Well, uh, you know, I was very skeptical when the TNT Championship first debuted in AEW and when Cody Rhodes uh, became the first TNT champion. I thought it was a way to kind of give him a championship and sort of get out of the stipulation that he had before where he couldn't challenge again for the AEW Heavyweight Championship. So I was kind of skeptical of this championship, but Cody Rhodes is not... Behind the scenes, Cody Rhodes is someone who's actually one of the the, the suits behind the scenes. And I thought he was going to just keep the TNT Championship just to show everybody, like, I can do it because I'm the boss. So he's being very generous with his championship. I think Darby Allen will be a great TNT champion, and uh, I'm just happy for him. 
I think he's doing great. And uh, Cody can't keep that belt forever, so good on Darby. Do you think Darby deserved it? That's the big question. Absolutely. Okay. No doubt about it. Okay. I love Darby Allen. Me and you are big fans of Darby Allen. Uh, it's been awesome to see the, the the transformation as a confident wrestler he's had. When he came in, very much just a green, crazy, you know, no limit type of guy doing all this crazy moves, crazy stuff that just would absolutely obliterate his body. Yeah, he, and came, now, he, came, he comes to work to wrestle right after he gets off at uh, Hot Topic over at the mall. Yep. Heads over to Dynamite. Exactly. Heads over to Dynamite. And then speaking of Dynamite, obviously, I know we got to take a break, but I do want to get into Dynamite a little bit before we go. Dan, we saw one of the most bloody matches I've ever seen on television. Oh, um, yeah. That's not pay-per-view. What did you think about Dynamite hosting such a great show, of course, but such a rowdy match where kids from all ages to adults of all ages are viewing and maybe we were not expecting as hardcore as it got? Yeah, I have some definite thoughts about that after the break, about this bloody match. This is probably the bloodiest, most disgusting thing I've ever seen, definitely on AEW television since they've had their show in the last year and a half. But maybe, maybe, Brandon, the most graphic blood and guts wrestling match I've ever seen on cable TV ever. I got some thoughts about that after the break. Absolutely. And we'll be right back. We're talking about AW's Fallout show, NXT, big title changes over there, Monday Night Raw, as well as the lead up to SmackDown tomorrow. So keep it locked. This is Down for the Count on ESPN San Antonio, 94.5 FM, 1250 AM, and on the go at ESPNSA.com slash wrestling. Gargano, look for a super kick, got caught. Oh, crucifix pin, shoulders down. That was last night on NXT. Leon Ruff defeating Johnny Gargano in a huge upset for the NXT North American Championship. Someone who's often upset. I'm Dangerous Dan Cialana here with my tag team partner, Brandon Big Poppy Medina. James Pledger running the gorilla position. This is Down for the Count, your ESPN San Antonio wrestling show. And we are talking all things wrestling and continuing to talk, Brandon, about the fallout from AEW Full Gear and also the very, very disgusting blood and guts match last night. They called it a bunkhouse match last night on AEW Dynamite. And I don't know, maybe it's a, it's a generational thing. When I hear the word bunk, it's <laughs> it, in, in, in a bunkhouse. Uh, I can't I can't say on radio what comes to mind, but right. uh, you know, but it's just strange. But what did you think of this bunkhouse match last night, Brandon? QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes versus the Butcher and the Blade. Now this what I think there was some blades in this match. I think some wrestlers bladed because this was bloody as hell. We saw some crimson masks, as they say. We really did. We saw what we saw chains, ladders, big pops, big blood, big. I mean, ever. I mean, it was nuts. It was nuts. And we didn't I don't see any nuts. That, we didn't it. see any nuts. However, I'm sure 
there they were there. We just didn't see it on camera. Um, now I think this match definitely surpassed what we expected. Whenever I see QT Marshall, I think this is a guy that definitely has not gotten a lot of love, but puts it all on the line. I mean, this guy just really goes at it. Um, I could see him turning into a, a not maybe not a star, but a little a little diamond in the rough later on in his career. But him and Dustin Rhodes took on Butcher and the Blade. Uh, Butcher and the Blade obviously need all the help they can get. They they looks to be one of the big tag teams at AEW, and I feel like they've fallen short. Dustin Rhodes is just putting over everybody because the dude can still go. I'm very surprised in how bloody it did get. However, of course I enjoyed it, Dan. This is my favorite type of stuff. I mean, when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, keep it coming. Yes, like this is awesome. But what were your initial thoughts, Dan? Because it looked like it, it escalated very quick, right? It went yeah. from like like a little bit of blood to like everybody is bleeding. So where do you think the turning point was? And, and what were your thoughts while watching the match, maybe from the beginning to where it fell at the end? And what were your thoughts all the way through? You know, I'm trying to remember exactly the, the point where it started getting super violent. Um, just I, you know, I didn't have many expectations for this. I see this bunkhouse match, which still makes me giggle. But I, I just OK, it's going to be kind of a gimmicky thing. They'll use some tools. They'll use I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what a bunkhouse is. Uh, but man, it, it seemed like it went to, from zero to one thousand. Yes. In seconds. And I don't know how much blood was intended here. Uh, I don't know if the wrestlers bladed on purpose to make themselves bleed more. I think they might have just kind of seen like the uh, kind of like the the design of the cuts i guess it looked like it was kind of intentional but man i don't know if they even wanted to be that bloody this was gross and something that wwe has talked about their competition wwe has talked about saying we don't want to do blood and guts we don't want to do blood and guts but AEW is like hey we'll do some blood and guts so i thought i thought it was a little too graphic for tv i wasn't like super offended because of the blood you know me i've complained about blood before i think i'm starting to like blood I think something about the sickness and the darkness of 2020 has made me crave blood and love seeing blood on my TV. This guy, comment down. Brandon, I don't know if I want to see blood on my TV on the TNT network at 7.40 p.m. Maybe I'm just being like a, you know, old-fashioned guy. I think it's something that should be late night or on pay-per-view. And Pledger's giving me the crying motion. But, hey, listen, I want to protect the kids. Who's going to protect the kids? If not me, Dan Cialana. I think it was inappropriate for a regular TV. I think it should have been saved for pay-per-view. Okay. Okay. I, and I can see that. And I can see why you think that. I think you're right. This match definitely was a pay-per-view match, especially for these two tag teams. They could have really used it. But let's be honest, Dan. I don't think AEW's drawing as much as they like for pay-per-views. So I think this match made sense to put on television for any just generic viewers. Um now, also with that, we saw an incredible match, Dan. I mean, one of my favorite matches I've seen on AEW, which was uh, Mr. El Penta, Cero Miedo over there, facing Ray Phoenix, his brother. Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, incredible, incredible match. Two brothers. I don't know the last time we saw brothers fight besides Kane and Undertaker in, in storyline, right? These guys are legitimate brothers. Um what did you think about this match, and what did you think it did for, I guess, the the Latin feel of AEW? Because we don't get to see many um, Hispanic characters, and we thought the Lucha Bros were going to be a lot more involved. What was it like to see these two face off? I think it was a very interesting way to end uh, last night's Dynamite. It also, uh, I, 
it it gives Eddie Kingston something to do too. It shows kind of how he he's manipulative. He got these guys to fight, you know. And um, also, I think it's cool that they they tease like getting the mask ripped off. Both and, of them, yeah, yeah. And I I think maybe I missed it to be fair, but I wish the commentators had made a bigger deal out of this. I wish they had explained to the audience more for maybe people who aren't familiar about how sacred the mask is in Mexican wrestling and how it's very disrespectful to tear someone's mask off to uh, try to reveal their identity. And they didn't, I don't know if they did, maybe I missed it. Maybe I, I spaced out, but definitely interesting way to, to uh, end dynamite last night and definitely was not expected. Yeah, I think Excalibur probably could have done the best job since he does wear a mask while commentating. On commentary, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I know for Pentagon Jr., I don't, I, I've seen a lot of their matches. They're one of my favorite. They no, Not even one of. I 100% think they're my favorite tag team on the planet. I, I've been following them for years. Uh, but Pentagon Jr. definitely has had his masks torn a lot. It was interesting to see Ray's mask torn just because, and this is Ray Phoenix, not Ray Mysterio people. Mm. But it was interesting to see because I didn't know he was bald at first. So seeing the little bald head, I was like, oh, okay, now, now we're getting really close to the, to the skin of actually revealing this guy. And I think they did take it pretty far. I mean, his mask was almost falling off. Um, but I do agree with you. I think it was an interesting way to end down in my, both of these guys have been superstars elsewhere. Both of these guys were champions over at Lucha underground, which I know me and you were a big fan of um, coming to AEW. I don't know if they still have ties to AAA Mexican wrestling over there in Mexico or why they're not getting pushed or maybe they just want an easier schedule. I have no idea. But the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks should be feuding absolutely now. And if not, one of these guys should be making a, a run for a title of some sort because both of these guys are absolute superstars. However, switching gears, we also saw a superstar in the making. Who the hell is Leon Ruff? <laughs> I, I literally don't think we've ever discussed Leon Ruff ever before on this show. And I actually, I can't ever name, uh, I can't name a Leon Ruff match I've ever seen. I don't even know if I've seen him on my TV before. I don't think I don't I've remember. ever seen this kid ever. Somebody ever. must love him. Somebody must love him backstage at NXT. And, you know, NXT, honestly, you know, the last few weeks, you and I haven't really talked about NXT too much. We've kind of just mentioned it real quick. Well, and that's, you know, in that's, passing. that's usually mm -hmm. because you and I both, like to watch AEW on Wednesdays. That's like our go-to right. show. So it's hard to, you know, we both like watching AEW and then, you know, we watch it. One thing turns to another. Maybe we're both hanging out. You're hanging out with your wife. I'm hanging out with my fiance, whatever the case Thursday comes, maybe we missed it. And we look at highlights. We're not, we're not always in the zone with, with NXT. And I feel like that definitely does a disservice, but this was hard to miss on social media. It was everywhere. Yeah, I think maybe that's that was the point. Maybe they know, okay, I mean, NXT likes to pretend that their direct competition, AEW, on Wednesday nights, like, they're not really a competition. They like to pretend, like, ah, we don't really care what they do. But they care what they do. Obviously, they care what they do. And NXT people know that AEW is just coming off a pay-per-view and that AEW would probably have a great uh, kind of after-pay-per-view show. So I think they wanted to put something big, get people talking about NXT instead of AEW, and to have a relatively unknown person, Leon Ruff, defeat someone like Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, in that upset for the NXT North American Championship. I don't think anybody saw that coming. That was definitely something exciting. I hope it's not a cheap win. I hope uh, Johnny doesn't win it back like next week or something. I hope it actually is something they, they actually pay off. I don't, I don't want it to be a cheap, like, transitional seven-day title reign just for social media, like, 
get people talking. You got to unmute yourself, buddy. Speaking of talking. Speaking of talking, uh, what I love about WWE fans, though, including us, is the fact that we love to get mad when title changes happen, but we love to get mad whenever title changes don't stay the same either. You're not going to make anybody happy. And I think with Johnny Gargano, his quick title change to this no-name guy absolutely blew the roof off of social media simply for the fact that this is a very unknown guy beating a very big veteran. Is this the time already? Can we just can we just move Johnny Gargano up to the main roster, or do you think his home forever might be NXT? Well, you know me, Brandon. I'm always very skeptical about moving people from the NXT, uh, you know, I guess D-League, to the WWE main roster because a lot of times when guys go from NXT to the WWE main roster, they suck. <laughs> WWE doesn't know what to do with them. I don't know if Johnny Gargano would really fit in with WWE. Now, you look at somebody like Tommaso Ciampa, who has actually been very open and public about saying, I don't want to go to the main roster. My home is NXT. I'm not sure if Johnny Gargano is feels as strongly about it, about staying in NXT as Ciampa does, but I don't know. I don't know if Johnny, Johnny Wrestling, I mean, even that name, Johnny Wrestling, you're not even supposed to say wrestling on the main roster. You're supposed to say sports entertainment. You know, so, I mean, the guy's nickname, you can't even say on TV. I don't know if Johnny Gargano should go to the main roster. I mean, maybe he'll make more money, and if he does, God bless him, but I'm always skeptical. I think he would make more money, and that's the only reason I think he might make the jump, but here's what I'm trying to tell you. This is huge in the world of NXT. It's big. It doesn't impact anything outside of NXT, but for Johnny Gargano specifically, if he goes to the main roster, Dan, he will not last. He will not be a prime guy on the main roster. It's We've seen it time and time again. Johnny Gargano does not have the appeal to viewers that others have before him and failed. We saw Shinsuke Nakamura. We've seen Sami Zayn get pulled back a lot. We saw, I mean, um, who who else is, is, is another example? I mean, there, there's been so many. I mean, you look at Leo Keith Rush, Lee. Keith Lee. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's a draw that certain people have, and it's also about timing. Kevin Owens made a huge splash, lasted a long time. Seth Rollins was brought in in the biggest faction in wrestling for the past decade. Um, so that obviously helped him. So I think... Johnny Gargano, unfortunately, will not last if moved to the main roster. That might uh, piss off some people. That might make some people mad. But I, I firmly believe that's a fact. There's nobody his size that's going to go against him. And there's nobody, I think, going to be willing to give him a chance or make, or make him have a push unless he goes against a Daniel Bryan off the bat that can make him look great or an AJ Styles. But besides that, I don't think there's a place for Johnny Gargano on the main roster. But I think there's a place for you to keep listening to Down for the Count. We are your ESPN San Antonio Wrestling Show here every Thursday night at 7 talking wrestling. I'm Dangerous Dan Cialana. He's my tag team partner, Brandon Big Poppy Medina. James Pledger running the gorilla position. This is Down for the Count on 1250 ESPN San Antonio, 94.5 FM. And on the go at ESPNSA.com slash wrestling. Everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. So without further ado, I will introduce to you now my mystery partner, led to the ring by his manager, Brother Love, weighing in at 320 pounds from Death Valley, 
I give you The Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker, the mystery partner is now revealed. I never heard of him. Oh, take oh. him. Check out them drumsticks, baby. 320 pounds, looks to be 6'9", 6'10", somewhere in that neighborhood, Rob. 6'10", I don't know, it's hard to tell from here. Holy cow! Welcome back, welcome back to Down for the Count on ESPN San Antonio. My name is Brandon Big Poppy Medina. That is the dangerous Dancy Alana. And running us in the gorilla, the gorilla position, as I said, the gorilla section. The gorilla position is Mr. James Pledger with his macho man Randy Savage sunglasses over uh-huh. there. Uh, but we are talking about The Undertaker. 30 years, Dan. 30 years. The Undertaker has been wrestling longer than I have been alive. Oh, my uh, which God. Which wild, right? However, he kind of made it big, right? He kind of did a, a pretty big stint in wrestling. I think he'll be he'll go down as, like, what, a top 100 wrestler maybe? I think so. The Undertaker had a, you know, he had a mediocre said, career. You know, he, he made a few bucks here and there. He did okay. So, yes, Undertaker, oh, my God. He debuted 30 years ago at Survivor Series. I was 10 years old when The Undertaker debuted. Survivor Series 1990. And, uh, you know, we've always been wondering, when's the final farewell to The Undertaker going to be? We thought it was a couple years ago, WrestleMania. Maybe last year, WrestleMania. For the past 10 years, we thought it was the year. No, no, No joke, actually. I remember back in, like, 2003, 2005, there was rumors about whether The Undertaker was going to retire if he was too old to wrestle. You know, that's 15 years ago. Goodness. So Survivor Series on November 22nd, WWE promises that this will be the final farewell to The Undertaker. There's not going to be any match or anything. Uh, He's supposed to be on the show somehow. Uh, We don't know what capacity, if he's going to be doing any kind of cinematic thing or just maybe just being there. You know, maybe they'll do a roast of The Undertaker. I don't know what they're going to do. That'd be awesome. Uh, So, yeah, that's going to be, man, that's going to be a tearjerker for me because, yeah, Undertaker's been around longer than you've been alive, and he's basically been around as long as I've been watching wrestling. I think I probably have been watching wrestling for maybe two years before The Undertaker debuted. So, man, 30 years, three decades. I don't think there's any career that's ever going to top that. You look at, like, the streak, the WrestleMania streak. What was it, like 22 and... Yeah, yeah, something like that. It was in the twenties. Yeah, it was twenty-one and and uh, one. It was twenty-one, and then uh, he lost to Brock Lesnar. But yes, I think the uh, the final tally is like twenty-three and two, something Something like that that. for the Undertaker. I mean, no one's ever going to top that. No, Uh, ever, man. So yeah, we're in next couple weeks, and we'll be thinking about the Undertaker a lot. We won't treat him like he's dead or something, you know. No pun. No, even though he is the dead man walking. He is the dead man, but man, this is going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be crying at Survivor Series November 22nd when the Undertaker gives his final farewell. And I don't care who makes fun of me. You both can make fun of me for crying. I don't care. I have a man with feelings. Oh, I teared up whenever Roman beat him and he dropped the whole hat in the middle of the ring. Took off the. Yeah, we thought that was the last one too, and then here we are, three WrestleManias later, whatever the case. So, um, the Undertaker left on great terms. This is the perfect time to do it. He left with an amazing match, cinematic match, trailer, movie, whatever it was with AJ Styles. AJ Styles most likely is the Shawn Michaels of the new age wrestlers, basically. So I think he left off exactly where he'd want to. That was the one guy I know he wanted to face. Um, We never did get to see 
the match of all matches, and it's way too late to even try it. But had we ever seen John Cena and The Undertaker at WrestleMania, I'm sure that would have been absolutely incredible. But we did That's see it once. We did yeah, see it but one no, time. It wasn't no, a real match. It was like two I was there long. live, and that was absolutely not a match. Was that uh, in New Orleans? Was, yeah, that New Orleans? was in New Orleans, yeah. and it was awful. It was like it was basically a squash match of John right. Cena. It um, counts. Yeah, I guess it counts. But I think Undertaker definitely um, has had some incredible matches. Of course, we remember Brock Lesnar. Um, we remember a lot of the the crazy, you know, Inferno matches and buried alive matches and stuff like that. So, and that we have a whole pay per view dedicated to the match type that he basically created, Hell in a Cell. So, um, the Undertaker is a legend, of course, definitely top three, top five wrestlers of all time. Um, but to to your comment though, Dan, are we just gonna disregard that? Do you think Ric Flair wrestled over thirty years? Like he was on top for a while, and I feel like he was always on television for a long, long time. Right? Yeah, he probably, I probably wrestled longer than thirty years. Probably but, Taker you know. and Flair. That's it. Like I've ever had that long of a career. Um, but at in least terms of like maybe somebody staying at one company, that that's yeah, a big deal 100%. about Undertaker. Undertaker never, even during the heights of the Monday Night Wars versus WCW, uh, Undertaker, from all accounts that we hear, never was tempted to go jump ship and work at WCW. He was loyal to WWE, even when WWE looked like it was going to go out of business. Uh, Mark Calloway, the Undertaker, is a loyal man, and that's part of his character, both uh, in-ring and outside of the ring. So I don't think there's going to be a, ever another another wrestler, another person like Mark Calloway, the Undertaker. Yeah, and we got to see a lot of different wrestlers on social media try to dress up like him. If you want to go check that out, go follow WWE at WWE on Twitter. That looked pretty cool whenever they had uh, a bunch of different people trying out his his garments over the past three decades. That was pretty. That sounded kind of weird. I think you his made garments? it sound weird. I, I think you made it. I, I feel like hey, garments guy are needs very, to make money. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Listen, Undertaker's only fans would make a lot of money. However, um, you know, when we're talking I'm on about the $5 tier, so I don't get yeah, to see too he's much. The Undertaker, are they undergarments? There we oh, go. Nice. Dad got jokes. jokes for days here on ESPN he's San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Pledger. <laughs> But speaking of something deadly, something scary like The Undertaker, of course, we saw a match. A what? What is it called? The final deletion? Is that what? It, is that what it was again? Or what? It was the how many deletions? deletion. There's been several deletions over right. several companies, actually. So we saw that on Saturday night, AEW Full Gear pay per view. We saw Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara Spanish after guy. Hardy. The Spanish God, Sammy Guevara, that's right, uh, at the uh, Hardy ca- compound. It was called the Elite Deletion, and I thought it was kind of cheesy. I, I, well, I mean, they're all cheesy. All those deletions are cheesy. I mean, any match that starts off with a drone delivering a hologram message is going to be cheesy. But I'll tell you something that I love about this whole Matt Hardy deletion thing. He has kept his character consistent and has done this deletion theme over three wrestling companies i don't know anyone else at least i can't think of anyone else any other wrestler who's been able to continue a a somewhat coherent storyline and a character across three different companies i think that's very impressive for matt hardy you know what's so funny you said that and i the such a random person jumped to my head when you said i've never seen somebody keep a consistent character and consistent storyline through three companies I don't know why this is such a blast from the past, but I immediately thought of like Raven. Like I feel like Raven was was very you consistent. know actually that's actually that's actually a really good example actually. 
Yeah, I mean, what was it? WCW, ECW, and WWE. Yeah, and he kept the same very just like monotone, mm-hmm. scary brawler, you know, around the corner in your your little, you know, street over there beating people up kind of guy. Yeah, he kept the same shopping cart, all that stuff. So that was that was a wild name that just popped in my head when you mentioned that. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, to, to, to look at this match, it definitely was a little cheesy. Most of Matt Hardy's matches these days are. He's definitely more into the cinematic matches. Um, which we've been seeing uh, 2020 might be the year of cinema wrestling. Was it not Dan? I feel like we saw so much. I, I think so. I know we got to go to break soon, but I think one, one thing that's cool about Matt Hardy is that he wanted to do these cinematic matches. So WWE didn't really want him to do it. So he moves over to AEW, and then what happens? COVID shutdowns. And then a, and then WWE, the competition that let Matt Hardy go they decide, oh, we're going to do cinematic matches now. But now Matt Hardy works for the competition. So Matt Hardy kind of had the last laugh on that. Yep, absolutely. And we're going to talk more about this final deletion uh, in our own little version of the Firefly Funhouse when we come back over here on ESPN San Antonio, 94.5 FM, 1250 AM, and on the go at ESPNSA.com slash wrestling. SmackDown has invaded Monday Night Raw's turf. Nia sent it to the post. And a spear by Charlotte. SmackDown is holding the ring here on Monday night. And Becky Lynch continues this all-out assault on Rousey. Becky Lynch driven by this, this obsession to be the best. Upset that the world is talking about Rousey and not her. This is a horrific scene. Another steel chair shot right across the already injured arm. Becky may have a broken nose. Obviously, she doesn't care. Today in wrestling history, November 12, 2018, Becky Lynch and SmackDown lead an invasion of Monday Night Raw. And you may remember, Brandon, in that group fight, Nia Jax punched Becky Lynch in the nose, breaking Becky Lynch's face and forcing Becky Lynch to not compete in the scheduled match that was supposed to happen a few days later at the 2018 Survivor Series against Ronda Rousey. Bad times. Bad times, but this moment right here ladies and gentlemen whether you are a wrestling fan whether you're not whether you're in between or a casual fan this moment will be forever looked at in the history books as one of the biggest moments in women's wrestling history uh becky lynch became the man through this moment and we saw the absolute just fierce competitor she is with a bloody and broken face yeah naya jacks legitimately punched Becky Lynch in the damn face. Um, And Becky Lynch stood tall, blood and all, smiled through with the crowd, and from then on has been the number one person in gross profits when it comes to selling merchandise above many men, above all men at some times. The man shirts are legendary, especially with that Stone Cold lettering. My fiance has one. I have My niece has one. I mean, Becky Lynch is going to be a hall of famer and i firmly believe it started with this moment and kind of a blessing in disguise from that moment a couple years ago so becky lynch had to uh, not be in that survivor series 2018 against ronda rousey because of injury charlotte flair replaced becky lynch 
so that match between uh, Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch ended up happening at WrestleMania the following year, and Charlotte Flair was in that match. And it was also the first time that women had headlined WrestleMania, and Becky Lynch, as you remember, won that match. Becky Lynch became the first woman to ever close out WrestleMania. So, uh, and now, obviously, uh, the man has turned into the mom, expecting a baby soon. So, Becky Lynch, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a little, it was a minor setback, but I think uh, things turned out in her favor. Man, it's 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 crazy that that we've already come this far. And when she comes back, Dan, it is gonna set the roof on fire. It's gonna be nuts. But speaking of mothers who wrestle, the Bella twins are interested <laughs> in coming back. And po- can we possibly see Dan Cialana's match, his dream match? Could we possibly see the Bella twins and the iconics go at it for the tag team championships in the women's division? Stay tuned. You'll find out next on the next Dragon Ball Z. Uh, but no, yeah, the, the Bella Twins um, are definitely interested in coming back to wrestling. Obviously, two of the most successful female competitors uh, of all time. Um, I mean, Nikki Bella, Brie Bella. Gonna, they're all, were they, they're already Hall of Famers, aren't they? Didn't they already make the Hall of Fame? Not yet. I okay, I, so. I, I want to say, oh, no, they introduced, I believe, somebody to the Hall of Fame. But right. I, they will be for sure. They definitely um, will be. But they kind of set the women's revolution on fire uh, before we even knew what was going on. They were the the precursor, if you will, before the Charlotte Flairs, the Becky Lynches, the Ronda Rouseys, the Sasha Banks, and the Baileys. So I definitely can see them coming back. But wouldn't it be a waste, Dan, for them to come back for the women's tag team championships that we don't even get to see on television much? Yeah, that, that's a thing. You know, the the Bella Twins did say in an interview recently, they said, hey, when, when the WWE introduced the Women's Tag Team Championships that we kind of thought, man, we should have that. We never got the chance because the, champ, the uh, Tag Team Women's Championship was not around when the Bella Twins were in competition. Now, there's a lot of hate for the Bella Twins. If you hang out in those nerdy internet wrestling areas on Reddit or whatever, like the Bella Twins aren't very loved. I love them. I think they're great. And I think the Bella Twins actually deserve a lot more credit than a lot of fans give them. Agreed. The Bella Twins really kind of were the link between the diva era and the women's wrestling era that, era that we see now. And I think you can't deny that. They were not just spokesmodels and, you know, Instagram models who became wrestlers. They were legitimate wrestlers. They did both. They did everything. And they put wrestling, you know, in the forefront on reality TV with Total Bellas. You, you can't deny that the bella twins are an important part of wrestling now if they come back brandon i don't think that they deserve the tag team championships just because well we didn't have a tag team championship when i was around i think you got to kind of earn your stripes a little bit you know maybe they can give them the championship just for like a month or so just for fun <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I, I have mixed feelings about them coming back if they do come back and immediately getting a chance for the tag team championships what do you think brandon yeah, I agree with you. Um, I also don't think there's enough tag teams to really go against in the women's division. Unfortunately, we have not. We we got belts, and then we have no teams that would really stack up. So that's one. Unless it's the Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler tag team that we saw. Um, I don't see any real competitors. So this might be more of a bring them back, set up for Brie or Nikki to cross one of the other, and set up a maybe a, a last sister versus sister retirement match i have no idea but i i don't see the reason they'd come back just for the women's tag championships yeah and if they do retire like if i want to see them retire officially i want to see them just kind of go out in a blades of glory instead of kind of just fading away 
Also, Steven Canto, yo, what a great callback. Completely forgot. We had mentioned Matt Hardy and his broken gimmick uh, a, a segment ago or so. He has done four of them. I forgot about Ring of Honor. Brother Neuro, Mr. Jeff Hardy. That was an awesome gimmick. Uh, that's actually, so they went Ring of Honor to TNA. Mm-hmm. And then from TNA, literally, they leave TNA the morning of WrestleMania and that night are immediately thrown into a match at WrestleMania in Orlando, winning the tag team championships. Um, and then now we've seen the broken gimmick come back for AEW. So that is right. Four yep. promotions. Holy hell. Steven coming in with a hot tag. Coming in with a hot tag over there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, going back to uh, current wrestling, of course, Dan. Or not even. Let's let, I mean, current and past, obviously, The Undertaker's 30th anniversary. Uh, we're going to see Survivor Series coming up next weekend. The Undertaker, Dan, is he a rock-solid lock for the best wrestler of all time? Or where does he rank in your oh, book? Man, it's always so hard to just the name one. But, man, I mean, it, if, you know, they always talk about the Mount Rushmore. Uh, of wrestling even though it's cheesy but man if there was a mount rushmore you gotta etch the undertaker's face on that mountain you, you gotta do it i mean there's i mean i mean who's better in terms of longevity in terms of great moments in terms of loyalty to uh fans i mean man i mean one of the best of all time you know maybe it's again i'm not saying that he's not I can't say he's the best of all time, and it's no slight against him, but I just can't name one. But definitely, he's in the top three. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the only person that you can give any callback to, give any 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 credit to when it comes to the longevity, career, and staying at their prime for the most part would be a Ric Flair. Um, and I think besides that, I mean, we, we Hulk Hogan went too far. Ric Flair went too far. You know, Sting went too far in his career. I think... The Undertaker, if he ends it now, we're going to end it clean. We're going to end it fine where Undertaker can absolutely retire as uh, on top as he should be, where we don't want to see another Goldberg-Taker match where he almost gets hurt legitimately. So I think that's why I firmly believe we need to let him go. We need to let the gimmick go. WWE needs to let it die, rest in peace, if you will, and just let him be the Hall of Famer he is. Um, So with that being said, it, he has to be first ballot. So if he retires in November, is Undertaker getting put in the Hall of Fame in April? Is that it? Like that? That's happening that quick? I think so. But I honestly, I only want to see the Undertaker be put in the Hall of Fame if there is actually a Hall of Fame ceremony with fans. I agree. If I it's just another COVID agree. thing with like a digital board of, of faces, I don't want to see it. I want people to be there to enjoy. And that's actually something I'm going to look forward to because definitely he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. To see the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, give like a heartfelt speech. It's only in the last few years that the Undertaker has even broken character in interviews and kind of revealed his own like real life persona. So that I I look forward to the day we get to see Mark Calloway, maybe even tear up, get emotional wow. talking about being the Undertaker. Because when I, I met him years ago at, at an autograph signing and he stayed in character, he didn't say a word to me. He just shook my hand and nodded and moved on. Greatest yeah, moment you know. of Nancy Lana's life, though. Still, well, was like, I mean, oh I also God. got married, and you know, so so th- third, maybe third, right? <laughs> some some top three for sure. Still in the Mount Rushmore of, of memories, um, but yeah, the Undertaker. I mean, nobody has the moments, nobody has the charisma. The, the not even the charisma. The character itself has charisma without him having to do much. Yeah, I mean, think of anybody else who can just have like a sound effect play, just gong people, and that's it, mind. and have people go crazy. 
Nobody else. Nobody has that power. Nobody has that mystique. Nobody like The Undertaker. Absolutely. Now, it's going to be sad to see him go after 30 years. The final uh, goodbye to The Undertaker, November 22nd at Survivor Series. Yep, 30 years in the business, and we hope to give you 30 years plus, hopefully, here on ESPN San Antonio. We shall see. We, we, we've only made it past 2020, so let's let's come to the, 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 the breakdown a little bit. But however, I'm Brandon Medina. That's Dan Cialano. We got Mr. James Pledger over there running the gorilla position. Thank you for joining us, and as always, that's the bottom line, because down for the count, said, said so. so. Follow Down for the Count on Twitter at DFTC Podcast.